Greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West here, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Program. Hey, greetings, everyone. Welcome back to the Steadfast and Loyal program. Virginia Lieutenant Governor Winsome Earl Sears, a native of Kingston, Jamaica, who immigrated to the United States at the age of six. She is proud to have served in the United States Marine Corps. In addition to her various appointments, she has served as the vice president of the Virginia State Board of Education and as presidential appointee to the U.S. Census Bureau as co-chair of the African-American Committee and the Advisory Committee on Women's Veteran, Women Veterans to the Secretary of Veterans Affairs. Lieutenant Governor Sears was first elected in 2002 to the Virginia House of Delegates, and she is the first female lieutenant governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia and the first black female elected to statewide office. She holds a Bachelor of Arts degree in English with a minor in economics and a master's degree in organizational leadership with a concentration in government. She is the author of Stop Being a Christian Wimp, and you have heard me say that before. God does not call us to be wimps, wussies, and whiners. Winsome and her husband Terrence have two living daughters in addition to a beloved daughter and two granddaughters who were involved in a fatal car crash in 2012. We are honored to have the Lieutenant Governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia, Winsome Sears, here on the Steadfast and Lower Program. Lieutenant Governor, how are you doing today? Oh, I am doing so well. Thank you so much for having me, Colonel West. It's my pleasure. Let's talk about, you know, a couple of years back. Here you are, you know, running for statewide office. And I think the issue that took it over the top for you all was when Terry McAuliffe stupidly, uh, you know, that's just how the left roads runs, says on that debate stage with Governor Yunkin that parents don't have a right to decide what their children are being taught. I think that completely changed the landscape of your election, uh, and that brought in yourself, the governor, and the attorney general in Virginia. Yes, as a matter, it, it was fortuitous that he actually spoke what was in his heart. Yes. You see, if you leave them alone and, and let them just speak, they'll get to eventually uh, what's truly in their hearts. And they've always been this way. It's always about control, you see. They want to tell us how to raise our children. They want to tell us how to spend, uh, we should spend, how they should spend our money, rather. Mm -hmm. They want to tell us uh, just about everything. And you saw they used the COVID to do that. So when people say COVID closed our schools, I remind them, no, COVID didn't close the schools. COVID policies closed the schools. COVID policies that these Democratic governors made closed our businesses. COVID policies that these Democratic governors made closed our um, houses of worship. So 
they are always looking for a means uh, for control. And it's the Solinsky approach, as you know, never let Absolutely. a crisis go to waste. You know, let's talk about the major functions and duties and responsibilities that you have as lieutenant governor. Are they much the same as for a vice president or here in Texas, the lieutenant governor uh, is the president of the uh, state Senate? Is it much the same for you in the Commonwealth of Virginia? Yes, I preside over the Senate every time that it's in session. It's not given to anyone else. S certainly, um, most of the states, they have different roles for their lieutenant governors, and some don't even have lieutenant governors. They have something they call like a secretary of uh, state type of a thing. Um, but your lieutenant governor in Texas is a pretty powerful lieutenant governor yes. in that he can appoint to boards and uh, those sorts of things, whereas I can't. Um, but, uh, but generally, uh, lieutenant governors uh, uh, preside over the Senate. And um, constitutionally, of course, we are the next in line if something happens to the governor and, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Now, when you talk about your legislative priorities going into the into your term as lieutenant governor, along with Governor Yunkin, kind of give the audience an understanding. What are the top three priorities that you all have for the Commonwealth of Virginia? Well, it's really the same continuing um, priorities. Um, you know, we don't have uh, Republicans don't have control of our state Senate. Mm -hmm. So the really big things that we've been trying to do, we've been stymied. And in fact, the Democratic senators have said they're going to be an absolute brick wall against anything that the governor is trying to push through. Now, if we had had a different uh, governor who would be a Democratic governor, you can imagine the press would have really gone on a field day with us because the press would have said, you need to you Republicans need to learn how to compromise. Yeah. You Republicans need to learn how to reach across the aisle. You Republicans need to know that the campaign is over and it is time to govern, that you represent all the people. But no, you haven't heard a peep about that from the media. And it is unfortunate because it appears that they've taken sides and that's not good. That's not healthy in a constitutional republic such as ours. So we are still trying to ensure that we have safety in our communities, meaning uh, law enforcement knows that we need them, we respect them, and, uh, you know, uh, along that vein. And then we want to make sure that parents understand that we're always going to be in their corner. And that means if, it, if you don't want to drop your child off at school and discover that he was something else, you know, when you pick him up, but it was unbeknownst to you because the school boards, for example, have decided uh, to have policies that separate you from your child. And then, of course, we want to make sure they all have a good education and they're mm -hmm. not just being socially promoted and uh, just so many things. My goodness, we'd yeah. be here forever. But then finally, we want to make sure that we have a good economy in Virginia. And that means getting rid of onerous regulations that do nothing to help the bottom line of companies, number one, and would in fact drive them away because we were one vote away from losing the right to work uh, here in Virginia. You know, I have nothing against unions. My grandfather was a union man and so was my father. I just believe that uh, you should be able to decide if you want to join a union or not. You worked for that money.
No, you're absolutely right. And it's so interesting you brought up that point about, you know, compromise, negotiation, bipartisanship, my friend from across the aisle, the colleague thing, uh, because I saw that when I served in Congress. It's amazing that when Republicans are in the minority, they're just supposed to knuckle under. They, and if they don't, they're called obstructionists and what have you. But mm -hmm. yet when you have Republicans in the majority, let's say in leadership positions such as you have there, and you have one part of the legislature, as you have in Virginia, the Senate is controlled by Democrats. Now all of a sudden they're brave. They're standing up against uh, you and, and they should be <laughs> applauded. When parental rights and school choice and all of these things are being cast aside, you have legislative elections coming up this November. How does it look, the prospects of you maybe being able to expand your majority in the House of Delegates and also maybe win back the state Senate there in uh, Virginia? Well, we think it looks pretty good. Uh, we, we, we believe that we're absolutely going to keep the House, possibly even add a seat or two. The Senate is going to be a little bit trickier because of redistricting, but we believe that even if we just get to parity, uh, we have 40 senators total. So even if we get to 20 on our side and 20 on their side, well, folks, I am the 21st senator. Yeah. Uh, we're in. We You're have switched vote. sides. Yes. And so what will happen, if nothing else, is, um, well, a lot will happen. But first, we will have more proportionate representation on the three big committees. For example, the, the Finance and Appropriations Committee, the, the Money Committee, as you know, yeah. there are now 10 Democrats to five Republicans. On the Business Committee, the Commerce and, and the Trade Committee, Commerce and Labor Committee, uh, there are 12, 12 Democrats to four Republicans. And then on uh, the really big boy, the Rules Committee, which yeah. if I say two plus two equals five, that's what it equals. Well, there are 13 Democrats to four Republicans. So even if a bill uh, got out of any of the other committees and the Democrats didn't want it to, they can immediately turn around and send it back to one of those three and kill it. And so that's why we still haven't really been able to put forward a true common sense, common sense. Mm -hmm. We're not asking for anything big, just common sense agenda that uh, can help Virginia, because let me finish with this, uh, Colonel. When we were running in 2021, I kept hearing businesses say, we're going to wait and see what happens after your election, because uh, either we are not coming to Virginia or we are not expanding what we already have in Virginia, or we are going to pick up and leave. So, you, you know, all the beautiful things we love, the beautiful schools, the roads, the bridges, the quality of life. Mm -hmm. Businesses pay for that because they are the job creators. Government doesn't create. Government mm -hmm. can hinder. And so we want to make sure that we remain a business friendly state so that people can have the jobs, we can have the quality of life, et cetera, that we want. You know, you are a veteran of the United States Marine Corps. And when I think about the standing of our maritime capability and capacity, and Virginia is a huge military state. Yes. And, and especially when it comes to our uh, naval maritime fleets, when you have the 
the chief of naval operations testifying that they don't have enough assault shipping to get the Marines to the to the battlefield. And that's the primary mission of the United States Marines. When we have China that has a larger surface warship fleet than we have in our Navy and understanding the uh, the shipbuilding that is there in your home state. How are the policies, the national security defense policies of this current administration adversely affecting the shipbuilding industry there in Virginia? Yes, yeah, so we have uh, several shipbuilders, as you know. We're a big Navy town. We're, mm -hmm. we're a big Marine We're big everything because, heavens, we have the largest naval base in the world here in Norfolk. We yeah. also have headquarters here for NATO. Yes. We have the Pentagon here. We have 28 different military installations. We have a sizable veteran population and, of course, federal contractors. And we, we can't afford to fool around with anything that has to do with national defense. And so when I hear some of the Democrats say they're going to reduce the scope and the size of the, the defense budget, I'm asking myself, what planet do these people live on? What planet do they understand that if we do not have a strong military, then we don't have a country? Because if we are overrun by any of our foreign adversaries, they take our constitution and tear it up. It means nothing. We are the ones who make sure that the actual defense of the constitution, by the way, happens. And the fact that our commander in chief is dilly-dallying with this is very troublesome because he has been in government apparently since he was a toddler. He <laughs> ought to know better. This is, yeah. this is really um, disheartening. And it is no wonder, I was just reading a report, that they, 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 the, the, the Army is having trouble in recruitment to yes. the point where they're having to, and, and you can, I can imagine how you feel about that, mm -hmm. they're having to redo a lot of the requirements where it's, it's almost as if, do you not understand an army has to be ready, has to be prepared to fight? Mm -hmm. Who are we bringing in? What is the character of these people, et cetera, et cetera? What is the education level? You know, um, this is a whole different type of uh, uh, world that we live in. We've got to have the technological know-how. I understand we don't even have the ammo to fight yes. because we've depleted our reserves. The morale is lacking. I mean, heaven help us, Colonel. Yeah, but we're real good in our military with this DEI crap and all of the, you know, gender dysphoria stuff and all this cultural Marxism that you and I would have just laughed at during our yeah. times in the military. It's absolutely sad. And but I want to bring up something because it was about maybe a couple of months ago. Uh, I had the opportunity of watching you on Bill Maher's show. <laughs> and let me tell you something, folks. If you have not seen that episode of Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears on with Bill Maher, she took him to the woodshed. I mean, no. you had, yeah, she had him bumbling and all this type of stuff. I mean, she was like, come on, Bill. I mean, you, you took it to him. And that's what I think we have to do as constitutional conservatives. Exactly what you did. You went into what some would consider a, an unfriendly environment. And I listened. The audience were applauding you. And, yes. and he was absolutely blown away. And I think he gave you a high compliment in saying that you're the type of person 
that the Republican Party needs. So what's in your future? If you can go in and you can have Bill Maher knuckle down, what's mm -hmm. in the future for Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears? Well, I think to Bill's credit, um, now he did try to pin me down on a few things, but he was generally very nice to me. Yeah. I, I think he, he wants to give everybody an opportunity, you know, to speak um, equal time on his show. So, um, you, you know, uh, I think, I think, Colonel, when you come with common sense, common sense policies, then it's very hard to argue against that. Yes. And I, I think Bill realizes that his side has really gone so far left that if the earth were flat, they'd fall off. And he's not about to go with them. I think that's what he's <laughs> understanding, you yeah. know. So, uh, you know, uh, because what we know about these types of revolutions is that they come for you after a while. Yeah. Anybody remember Robespierre? Anybody remember all the others? It comes for you because it must. It eats itself. And then you have this very small fraction of people who have all the power when they said they wanted to ensure that power devolved to the people. Fat chance. So we learn from history, Colonel, that we don't learn from history and we repeat the same mistakes all over again. So you asked what's in my future right now. I am really determined and focused on making sure we win back the Senate. And I am doing everything I possibly can because I want to look down come next session, starting January of 2024, with a lot more Republican smiling faces looking back up at me from the rostrum. Because then it means that we will get common sense uh, agenda through. We will have policies that ensure we are safe. We will have economic policies that help everybody. That, that, for goodness sake, they talk about things that are controversial and, and they say parents not having a say in, in their uh, children's lives should not happen. And it's, uh, have you all lost your minds? Mm -hmm. So we couldn't have won in Virginia if we didn't have enough Democrats and independents who came over to our side and say, no, these, these Democrats have gone a bridge too far. So we go on shows like uh, Bill Maher, and I was even on Good Morning America. Um, I was talking about my book, of course, but I tell you, I had a gentleman come after the show and say, I'm a liberal, but I love everything you're saying. Keep it up. If I could vote for you, I would. So, you know, the, the, we just have to be very careful that we don't, for example, let the black vote, the immigrant vote, the Asian vote, the Latino vote. We don't see that to the Democrats. We go after every vote and tell them what our message is, what our, you know, the free enterprise system being the best, et cetera, et cetera. And by the way, Colonel, I'm not wanting all black people to be Republicans. Are all white people Republicans? No, no. we'd be back. Mm -hmm. No. What we want is for uh, to be left alone. We're adults. We're going to vote the way that we want to. And we're not asking you for your opinion about it. You vote that way, vote that way. But leave me to, to, to vote how I want. And by the way, get off my grass. I pay the mortgage around here. So, you know... You know yeah, I thought it was so condescending and offensive when Joe Biden said that you ain't black if you don't vote for me. 
Uh, I mean, that yeah. says that because of our skin color, we don't yeah. have the cognitive ability to think on our own. And, and I think that more people are awakening to that. And when I go down to the border here in Texas, you have more people in the Hispanic community uh, that are saying, we don't want you know, our borders wide open. We don't mm -hmm. want, you know, the flooding of human and sex trafficking, the fentanyl, the, the control of the cartels That's of our right. border towns. So we've and got they're a, terrorists who are they coming are terrorists. across the border, financed by Iran. Yes. We don't know. They're trying to find these people now. For goodness sake, if you had done your job, Mr. President Biden, we wouldn't be in this position. But of course, he's protected, right? He's got secret service all around. From what I read this morning, uh, they are also uh, changing his home in Delaware to make it more secure, using tax money to do that. Now, you know, I, I don't mind that. You know, I don't begrudge it. The president deserves that. But how about the rest of us, Mr. President? Are we safe? No, we're not. And all you have to do is read the newspapers every day and you see what's happening in all of our major urban population centers, to include many there in uh, Virginia uh, as well. So we have got to restore law and order. In the closing minutes, uh, tell us how people can follow you. Tell us how people can continue to learn about what's happening there in the Commonwealth of Virginia and uh, tune in to what's going to happen next legislative session when uh, I think that you will have that majority. Actually, uh, we do have a budget amendment session tomorrow. Okay. So if you go to our legislative website, then you can actually tune in live. We start at 10 and you can see me bringing the session, uh, the senators back into session. And I don't know how long we'll be there. Maybe it'll be a quick uh, one, two and done. Or maybe there'll be some moaning and groaning and griping and complaining going on. But we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll keep sure. I'll make sure that we keep uh, good order. As you know, I'm a mom. I know how to do this. <laughs> but you can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram. And by the way, I do have a new book out, and it's okay. called How Sweet It Is. So you can purchase that anywhere books are sold, Amazon, everywhere. And uh, it's just about how we defend the American dream. You, you know, Colonel, you know who believes in the American dream? The people who are at the very border we just discussed, the southern border, yeah. they believe in, in America so much that they're actually, as you know, throwing their children over the wall, yeah. over the wall, literally trying to plant them in American soil because they know if they, if they just get a foot, boy, their lives will go just like this, like it did for my father, like it did for me. But we yep. just want to make sure we know who's coming through the border. So we can't allow uh, the people at the border to be more patriotic than we are. Can you imagine that? You're absolutely right. And no. when you talk to people that have come from Eastern European countries or countries that have faced socialist and Marxist uh, principles and domination and tyranny, they're looking at us and saying, you can't allow this to happen here in America. No. No, no. America must remain America. That's yes. city on a shining hill. City on a shining hill, Ronald Reagan said. Hey, I just want to share with everyone out there in the steadfast and loyal world that uh, Lieutenant Governor Sears has an opportunity to stand with an old ugly dog-faced soldier on Friday, September the 22nd at 4.15 p.m., we may be conducting a wreath-laying ceremony there in Arlington National Cemetery at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. She's going to check her schedule. I think that would be a historic event 
to have the first black female lieutenant governor and to hold a statewide office mm -hmm. to lay a wreath at the tomb of the unknown soldier there in Arlington, Virginia. So uh, be standing by and we will confirm uh, when she uh, checks her calendar. I would be honored to join you in doing so. And I look forward to, you know, a joint operation between this soldier and you, ma'am, an exceptional Marine. You're an exceptional person. And you show why America is truly the land of the equality of opportunity, not the equality of outcomes. So God bless you and all that you're doing there in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Thank you, Colonel. And thank you for this opportunity. And I'm going to make sure that I, I do see whether or not I can come because to honor those who have gone before us, who have given the ultimate sacrifice, their life for our country. Yes. Oh, no, we, we, we have to make sure that uh, they're honored. And we were so glad their families gave them to us. Absolutely. Well, God bless you. And I look forward to seeing you. Lieutenant Governor yes. Winston Sears, the Lieutenant Governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia. Thank you. God bless all of you. And Semper Fi. Do or die. <laughs> thanks, everyone, for joining us for this episode of the Steadfast and Loyal Program. Special thanks to Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears of the Commonwealth of Virginia for joining us and an incredible conversation to understand what we must do to keep our respective states strong and not allow them to fall into the hands of the progressive socialist left. If you enjoyed this conversation and if you enjoyed this program, Please click the like button, share it with others, and until next time, steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down.